Science. Hello and welcome to Probably Science. My name is Andy Wood. I'm Matt Kirshen. We're, we're back after a little break. I mean, I guess, I guess you wouldn't even know listener. a break. Yeah. Right, yeah. It's been three weeks, I think, since we recorded the last one. Something like that. So much stuff has happened in science. Oh. Oh, can't wait to bring it I, to you. <laughs> Andy's, Andy's got an inversion table as well. Just, uh, this is purely decorative. Yeah, I got an inversion table off Craigslist. It, uh, one of my myriad attempts at solving my new normal of chronic back pain. I spent several minutes hanging upside down before we recorded, so you might be able to tell that from my... It sound extra long? I do. I am. I feel like I'm... I, I don't know if, if it's coming across, because by the time we've compressed the audio and everything, you might not be able to tell, but... I, if you listen to the raw WAV files, I think you'd be able to tell that I'm about a millimeter taller. Yeah. I mean, I think if you did stay on the thing long enough, it's conceivable you could be... Don't they say you're temporarily taller in the morning? Yep. And your spine compresses throughout the day? And yeah. astronauts grow as well. Right, yeah. If they spend enough time in space. They they add a couple of inches, I think. No. I'm, I'm not kidding. I may, I'll, hang a on. couple of inches seems, inches. seems extreme to Average, me. Average... Uh, I'm gonna. We should introduce our we guest should, so that he yes. can chime in on this. this <laughs> Sorry. No, no, by all means. This is a friend, comedian, great person, all around funny human. Doug Mallard, how are you, man? Great. Uh, thanks for having. Now, now I'm just. Now I want to know about this inches thing. Two inches seems aggressive. I would say an inch would be impressive. Okay. Impressive, but uh, not aggressive. For some reason, it wants to. Uh, it's also correcting average height gained during puberty. Okay. Which uh, I've been guessing an astronaut's kind of space puberty. Space. <laughs> Uh, Speaking of that, I think one of the worst things about zero gravity would have to be space pubes. (laughs) (laughs) That's got to be a downside of the ISS. Oh, yeah. Can you keep that height when you come back? Is that possible? I think you do start to shrink again. Here we go. Astronauts in space can grow up to 3% taller during time spent living in microgravity. That means a six-foot-tall person could gain as much as two inches while in orbit. I, I was wrong. I but, apologize. But for Matt and I, that would be like a couple of centimeters. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I'll still take it. Yeah. That's, a, that's, I mean, that's enough that you would note it when someone walks up to you, you know? Right. A two inch gain. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, I, yeah, I wonder how long I'd have to be on this table. This would be space plus. It's not like zero gravity. This is aggressively stretching out my body. If right. This is down. negative gravity. Yeah. And don't just stay on there for one consistent long you die, for sure. Well, I guess eventually, like <laughs> blood and things. But but I've gotten that at sometimes after eating, and I forgot I just ate, and I was like, oh wait, is this going to be a problem? I was like, no, your body takes care of all that shit. You know, you got valves and stuff. Yeah, I, I I haven't really looked up how you're supposed to use this or how long you're supposed to. So I hope I'm not overdoing it. I try to just stay on for the length of half a Jeopardy episode of Netflix. Half and then a Jeopardy. Take a break at, at double Jeopardy. Do you watch it upside down, Jeff? The Jeopardy thing. Yeah, I, I've been watching stand up and Jeopardy since you don't really need to be able to. Those don't need to be seen that much you know where is there a way to flip the picture on you i wonder if there i doubt it or even if you just did it for long enough then you doesn't your brain flip didn't they do that experiment with the glasses that's the thing right yeah i I don't know if actually you can definitely still watch things it's just people's mouths look weird when you're upside down you know what i mean like their 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 chin becomes the top of their like oh yeah well have you ever seen the the thing that they flip some, some where they, where they flip the, they turn the face upside down, but they have the mouth the right way up, and oh, you right. look at it. Yeah, you look at. I've seen it with a picture of Hugh Grant, and you look at it and go, "Oh, that's just Hugh Grant upside down." Right, right. <laughs> and then they rotate the image, and you realize the mouth has been put upside down, and it's 
Wait, weird Hugh Grant. Is this going to screw up your Jeopardy audition? If you see it, are you going to have to do that upside, upside down? down? For the, yeah, for the, for the <laughs> listeners who don't know, we were talking about this. Uh, an hour after we finished recording, they have one of the online tests. And I've never even attempted the tryout for Jeopardy since I was like 16 and it was the teen tournament. I got burned by that and I was like, okay, fuck you, Jeopardy. <laughs> I'm out for uh, 25 years and then I'll try again. You've got a lot more knowledge then, presumably. I feel like, I mean, I, there's the... It's. I'm sure it's the same as any kind of like armchair quarterbacky stuff. Where of course it seems easier at home, but right. like you know, you're watching these like tournament of champions, and there's plenty of like two thousand dollar clues that these former champions don't know that I do. I'm like, I got a shot at this. Man. Well, and I think from performing in general, like you'd have less nerves, and because that has to be a part of it, is when you're up there and. Oh, there's yeah. a live audience and all that stuff. But after doing stand up and stuff like that, and maybe, but there's definitely I know. Being on a live quiz show, so much of it is about buzzer technique and not yeah. having and not having buzzer freeze, like having the confidence to buzz in when you're on a seventy percent. Yeah, well, that's what I've been trying to practice when I'm watching the Netflix ones. Is like, well, I don't say it out. Lo- I say it out loud because otherwise you could convince yourself that you knew it, but you're, yeah. you know what I mean. But you're not sure if you actually thought it before they said it. Right, right. So I'm just being this dork alone watching it, and then I <laughs> press my thumb because I know you can't buzz in until the question is finished being read I if you w- do it early you get locked out so i try to like do a but- button push with my like the the bill clinton uh thumb on yeah on fist thing and then say it out loud before someone else does i, I would watch you useful. live stream this <laughs> the dorkiest thing uh, i am so excited by the way this. the upside down face thing is called the thatcher effect because it was first demonstrated on a picture of margaret thatcher oh wow the late british prime minister Hugh Grant Thatcher, is it only a, an, an English thing? Yeah, it only works. American faces, it turns out American faces are better. So when they're, when they're upside down, you're like, oh, you can't, no, you can't mess with that. They've had all the work done. That's Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> can't switch that around. <laughs> it turns out not just switching it upside down, just messing with stuff in general. So Peter Thompson, professor of psychology at the University of York, demonstrated this in 1980. And even an upside down figure... Messing with things like you can see here, if you look at it, they've just messed with the teeth in this picture and just generally like oh, screwed wow. around with the mouth. Messed and with. Imagine I'm the at home listener and so I can't see your laptop yeah. and describe how these <laughs> teeth are messed up. They have been sort of airbrushed so that they are three large teeth instead of multiple teeth in the mouth. And you don't really notice it in the upside down image until it's put the right way up. And they've also sort of. This is like May- half of all memes now. Yeah, made the eye a bit weird. Just looks like they just looks like they've done a very bad Photoshop job. Okay. Doesn't that sound just like what Tom Cruise has? Is like just three big teeth? Doesn't he have? <laughs> yeah. does, isn't one of his front teeth like in the middle of his face? Yeah, or yeah, like almost the line between one. his teeth doesn't line up with the middle of his face, kind of. It's almost just like one big tooth. He is one walking tooth. Yeah. I'm gonna look this up. Cruise. Tom Cruise teeth is the fifth autocomplete answer. The craziest thing. <laughs> Do you guys know Mike Weeby? Yeah. Uh, great dude, great comic uh, musician. He, the craziest thing he's ever brought up, well, there's many of those, but uh, Tom Cruise is now older than Wilford Brimley was in Cocoon. Yeah, I remember when, when <laughs> Brad Pitt hit that age a couple years ago. They were so like, nuts. This, this, which is what, 51 probably? Yeah, or 55 maybe? Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, through. Tom Cruise, it's, it's more that his whole mouth is kind of to the side. shifted around. Yeah, so when you look at, if you draw a oh, line wow. down the middle of Tom Cruise's face through his nose up to the middle of his forehead and down to the center of his chin it goes through one of his front teeth 
Yeah. Like how Shannon Doherty, if you drew like a cross in her face, one of the eyes would be above the horizontal line. Like, you ever notice <laughs> Shannon, Shannon Doherty? She got Shannon Doherty eyes. <laughs> <laughs> is that a real song? I just, now it is. <laughs> Weird Al can come at me. <laughs> it's pretty good. Oh yeah, someone else has done that same drawing that I did to be like, wait, is this in my head that Shannon Doherty's <laughs> eyes do not line up at all? Yeah. And again, we're not mocking. Oh, I wow. guess we are mocking. This is, this is yeah, very but I mean, mean of no, us. It's, it's, uh... Well, that's the last time I find her attractive. <laughs> <laughs> She's dead to me now, Shahan Dirty. <laughs> hey, uh, Doug, uh, we like to ask our guests this before we get deep into any of the stories. Although we've already, we've already got delved into the Thatcher effect. But before we go any further, what, if anything, is your background in science? Oh, absolutely nothing. And I, I am as dumb as nails. I, I did go to, have you guys been to All Space Considered at the observatory? No. I did that on Friday. It's a monthly, uh, I guess, lecture. It's, they've got a few experts and they just get you caught up on all things space from this month to next month. And they actually, they don't have a, a thing next month. So I'm all caught up through June. Um, and I understood about half of it. There's a lot of part, like charts and graphs where I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. What made you but, go to it in the first place? Do you have an interest in all things space? Uh, David Huntsberger asked me if I wanted to go, and I said, Oh, sure. there we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was just a thing where, like, living in Los Angeles, you forget. You can kind of get trapped in your own, like, little neighborhood or this or that where you go to the same restaurants, that kind of thing. And this was just a thing of, like... Oh, I never would have thought to right. go to this, so yeah. I should definitely go. It's a very cool thing. For people who've never been to L.A., there's a massive hill that you can walk or drive up, and then at the top of that is an observatory that has a big telescope that you're allowed to look through and also just a science museum yeah. with a planetarium and various other things. On its own, it's just a beautiful building. And it's and it, you can hike yeah. up there. It's a yeah, even if without yeah. going to any of the science stuff, it's a nice place yeah. to go because it has a view of the entire city. And I I love the international like hodgepodge of just people that are all it's mm-hmm. it's cool to see how many people are just swarmed to this one place and checking out the city. It's like it's refreshing. I think it's nice. And don't they have uh, a two scale representation of the solar system where the sun is in the planetarium and or the observatory, and then uh, if you go all the way out in the yard, there are some of the orbits of oh yeah uh, oh I don't know I didn't yeah. know that yeah close to that sundial out in front of it. They've got. I know they have that thing that a lot of science museums have, where you can see how heavy you are on different planets. Oh, I'm always right. a fan of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Weight and height and space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weight on. Do they do the gas giants? Because you couldn't even stand on them, but you would still weigh a lot, presumably. Yeah, they did. How oh man, I, I want to go where I can lose a couple pounds for sure. <laughs> so would that be all of the? Are we the? Are we the highest gravity of, of the rocky planets or not? Um, What's bigger than I should really know this off the top of my head? Yeah, if you're about to do Jeopardy. I, Jesus. The, <laughs> what I should have done is really uh, crammed on world capitals. I feel like that's an easy thing oh, to spend yeah. an afternoon on and, and get a big gain because they love that kind of shit. Which right. is like, that's boring trivia to me, but whatever. Yeah, you should know, you should know capitals, you should know oceans, well, and well, seas. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You should know mountains. State capitals, world capitals. Um, You're going to get stumped by some dumb pop culture celebrity thing. Yeah, also, I feel like movies the last five to ten years, I don't... Oh, no, TV the last five years. 
I don't know shit about. I'm not, I'm not trying to be one of those, like, yeah. I don't even watch TV people. I just haven't been, I, you know, I haven't seen an, an episode of Big Bang Theory or oh, right. what's, what's a hit show that I've just never seen an episode. Two and a half men, maybe I've seen one episode of. I just, re- regrettably was asked at one point with my wife, uh, we weren't married at the time, not that, that matters, but we were asked by someone randomly if we would audition as a couple for this show where you sit on your couch, you get paid like decently to just watch TV uh-huh. and that's what people are watching at home. Like, so it would just They're be you. watching you. Yes. TV. It's so, okay, I don't this know. Is a, this is an American remake of a British TV show called Gogglebox. Oh, really? And it's, <laughs> it's so much more entertaining than it has any right to be given wow. the description. See, I, I thought you were about to like make fun of how nope. horrible Americans were, but you said you did it first. <laughs> I'm <laughs> it's Twitch for TV. It's, that's, that's what I think it was. Co- I think the American yeah. version was called the People's Couch or something like that. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think that's what it was. And and, and I mean, it was. I mean, I, I guess like you get an insight to like the inner workings of a couple, which could be. I mean, it's all reality TV in a nutshell. But but the problem was when they were at, they were interviewing us. We nailed the interview. They loved us. We had a lot of fun. But it was like you said, where they were asking us like shows like that, where it's yeah. like, oh, we watch patriot and like stuff you know like yeah, right, right, they're, right, right. they're not going to be interested in that so we started binge watching like crappy reality <laughs> stuff and then we oddly got hooked on like the bachelor and, and now it's like what am i doing like <laughs> no but i mean people have told me that it's, it's fun to watch that shit I sh- i'm sure i would like it once i started it it's just yeah, it's, it's so many there's too many things yeah like peak tv and it's like i get paralyzed with uh i gotta go watch six seasons of Shit's creek because right says, that's great uh, and it is so far um but like stuff I haven't even started, like Game of Thrones, it's, it's too late for me. I can't start. No, Game it's not. Yeah. You, I, it, I thought the same you could, thing. You can do all seven seasons in a <laughs> yeah, in a week. <laughs> in a week, you've got <laughs> yeah. a full week, Andy. I already know. Okay, all the it's twists, five days. But you've got like yeah. five days, and you. We must have talked about this in the podcast. Like I know what the Red Wedding is. I know yeah, it doesn't matter. It's still a good series. It's, it's still, still executed very well. Okay, and it you'll be a better man for it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really care much about dragons and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's not I mean, about the dragons, yeah. Andy. Okay. Yeah. I, I do it's like about boob. the incest. I don't care about dragons. <laughs> about I do people. like boobs. So yeah. I don't know. It's a trade off. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's about dragons' boobs. I did. Also. I did just watch the dirt because Riley Newton said it was a fun hate watch dumb thing. The Botley Crew movie. Oh, I thought yeah. it was a documentary until I saw a trailer and realized yeah, it was a biopic. It was, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But I mean, it's very easy to have on the background and half pay attention to. Oh, it. for sure. Yeah. I forgot that, that was out. That has to be a thing now. We, and we uh, we all ran into each other outside of the Vista after us. I don't know if we want to. Oh get yeah, that, but... we could talk about us for a second. I don't know. It's sort of sci-fi, which is sort of science. Yeah, the science doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> science does not make a lot of. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, like, I hate that I'm such a stickler for plot, but I am. Like, I hated. I loved Lost until I realized they weren't going to pay off all the plot shit. And then everyone's like, it was never about that. It was the characters. I'm like, no, I wouldn't have gotten this invested if I didn't think the the plot was going to pay off. Yeah. yeah. And us is a little the same. Very convoluted. Very, Uh, it's, the acting's fantastic. It's, yeah, it's well executed. It's just, uh, but just a little all over the place. I, I think if I had tempered expectations beforehand, like I gave, Couple people thoughts on how I thought of it, and then they enjoyed it more. I think because I, I loved Get Out so much, yeah. And I was expecting that, and then and it was funny when I came out and I saw you first, and you were like, "What did you think of it?" I, I didn't want to say anything negative in case I just assumed everybody was going to love it. <laughs> right. I was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, it's good." And then you were like, kind of had a couple of plot issues, and I was like, "Ah, oh, thank God, okay, yeah, yeah." <laughs> and I the know twist- it's, it's grown on me a lot more. 
the really? twist. The yeah. twist you could see coming a mile away, but then they, they didn't do it for so long that I'm like, oh, they're not going to do the obvious twist. That's great. And then they still I, did the obvious twist. I guess we, yeah, we don't want to spoil it too much. Let's not spoil it to say there is a twist, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Every, I guess every horror movie has a twist. Do they? See, that's a, I think that was my thing with it was the best horror movies are simple. Yeah. Like, like you know, just a very simple concept. That's true. I, I don't know. There, there, there was a lot going on. I, I wish the whole audience had seen it so we could just really right, yeah. But I don't want to do that to anybody. That's for another podcast that, that none of us host. But um, <laughs> I'm oh, speaking of Jordan Peele, though, I have not seen Twilight Zone yet, which I'm oh, right. excited to the new CBS reboot of that, which has the first episode has um, Kumail. Was has he been a guest? Yeah. On, oh, on our podcast, he's never. Done. No, he okay. hasn't. Emily has. Kumail has. Parallel universe friend of the show, Kumail Nanjiani. <laughs> I think he was close to coming on a couple of times and he's probably now too busy. But uh what's what's he up to? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to Kumail? Oh, he's still doing, you know, like skits and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh so we get we have we have a couple stories that were sent in by multiple listeners. Yeah, let's get into the popular ones. Where do you want to start with, Andy? Oh. I feel like the dinosaurs that was three different listeners who sent in Yeah. article about finding the uh a 66 million year old deathbed that's linked to the dinosaur killing meteor. Yeah, Eric Boisver sent it in, Emily sent it in, and I'm not sure who else, but. I bet Justin Broad did. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that. So, so yeah, oh, uh, someone, wait, was Emily the one from North Dakota? Because she was also proud that it was in her state this happened. You right? search for North Dakota in the emails while I tell you, I'll read the story. Sure. Scientists have found an extraordinary snapshot. Of the fallout from the asteroid impact that wiped out the dinosaurs 66 million years ago, excavations in North Dakota revealed fossils of fish and trees that were sprayed with rocky, glassy fragments that Whoa. fell from the sky. The deposits show evidence of also having been swamped with water, the consequence of this colossal sea surge that was generated by the impact. The detail is reported in... Uh, ha- Do you say it out loud? It's PNAS Journal. Penis Journal, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> it's all caps. It's all caps. P N A S. Yeah, just the penis journal. The pe- penis journal. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a frequent. Oh no, no. This is the this is the scientific version. Oh, gotcha. Okay, I do not. I do not subscribe. <laughs> Mine is much different. <laughs> but still peer reviewed. It's it's still science. It's anatomy. <laughs> In fact, some of the pictures are very peer-reviewed. Yeah, yeah I guess I'll... <laughs> Brett Favre is a big... Uh... <laughs> so, Robert De Palma. Wait, wait, so, hold on. Let's go. What is the? What is that? Is it like initials? Yeah, like, yeah okay. P N A S. So I'm just I don't know what it stands for. Well, they they have to PNAS. know. Like, right? Why didn't it, you? I'm surprised the BBC article didn't spell out what. I'm looking at PNAS now. Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Okay. They have to have a sense of humor about it. They must. Yeah. I hope. Hey, you uh, being elected to the PNAS? <laughs> <laughs> who's, the, who's the head of the PNAS? Uh, <laughs> Can I see the PNAS head, please? They have little hats in their little meetings. <laughs> we are all 12. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Robert De Palma from the University of Canada's and colleagues say that the dig site at a place called Tanis. That was dig site, right? Yes. Uh, okay, the dig. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah <the> dig. <laughs> that's what I heard too. <laughs> DIG site gives an amazing glimpse 
into events that probably occurred perhaps only tens of minutes to a couple of hours after the giant asteroid hit the Earth. When this 12-kilometer-wide object slammed into what is now the Gulf of Mexico, it would have hurled billions of tons of molten and vaporized rock into the sky in all directions and across thousands of kilometers. At Atanis, the fossils record the moment this bead-sized material fell back down and strafed everything in its path. Fish are found with the impact-induced debris embedded in their gills. Hmm. They would have breathed in the fragments that filled the water around them. There are also particles caught in amber, which is the preserved remnant of tree resin. It's even possible to discern the wake left by these tiny glassy how do you pronounce that? Tectites? To use their technical term as they enter the resin. There's a picture here. Fossilized fish piled on top of one another as they are fly- flung ashore by the... What is that word? Wow. I've never heard of that word. S-E-I-C-H-E. I'm Seish? Googling this oh, word. Oh, what if that comes into your Jeopardy audition? Oh, let's hope. <laughs> Seish is a temporary disturbance. And let's check to see if I'm pronouncing this correctly. Seish. 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 Uh, a temporary disturbance or oscillation in the water level of a lake or partially enclosed body of water, especially ones charged by, caused by changes in atmospheric pressure. Hmm. hmm. I don't understand that. A temporary <laughs> disturbance or oscillation in the water level. So it's a standing wave in an enclosed or partially enclosed body of water. I still don't get it, but okay. <laughs> so I think it's sort of basically like when you get waves on a lake. Who's that? But from thing? some sort of seismic or atmospheric pressure change hmm interesting we're learning all sorts yeah. geochemists have managed to link the fallout material directly to the so-called chicxulub i'm getting we're having a tough time all of that just sound it out matt sound it out impact site in the gulf <laughs> gulf i love it. i gulf. was uh, worried about how uh, i was gonna come off with oh, my no. lack of knowledge it's like oh you guys are making me feel right Fine. at home I feel like you chose this article to make me feel comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so they've dated it to 65.76 million years ago, which is in very good agreement to the t- with the timing for the event worked out from evidence at all other sites around the world. From the way the Tannis deposits are arranged, the scientists can see that the area was hit by a massive surge of water. Although the impact is understood to have generated a huge tsunami, it would have taken many hours for this wave to travel the 3,000 kilometers from the Gulf to North Dakota, despite the likely presence back then of a seaway cutting directly across the American landmass. Hmm. Oh. So got it going all across. Okay, so to hit North Dakota, it took, yeah, hours. Instead, the researchers believe local water could have been displaced much more quickly by the seismic shock wave, equivalent to a magnitude 10 or 11 earthquake oh my God. that would have rippled around the earth. It's a type of surge described as a seish, here we go, which would have picked up everything in its path and dumped it into the jumble collection of specimens now being reported by the team. A tangled mass of freshwater fish, terrestrial vertebrates, trees, branches, logs, uh, marine ammonites, and other marine creatures were all packed into this layer by the inland-directed surge, said Mr. De Palma. A tsunami would have taken at least 17 or more hours to reach the site from the crater. Okay. But seismic waves and a subsequent surge would have reached it in tens of minutes. Oh, because waves travel quicker through land than water. Yeah, that I was surprised sense. when they were saying the scale of the, the water wave time. But yeah, 17 hours, it's like a very, the, very aggressively fast driving from the Gulf to uh, yeah. North Dakota. Yep. So probably still under, under 100 miles an hour, right? Or no, uh, 17 hours... Oh, we could do this quickly, right? It's thir- how, it was 3,700 kilometers, so about uh, 200 kilometers an hour. Can we go back to the 
like three thousand, uh, give or take. Anyway, go ahead. Did it, did it? What did it say? A ten or eleven on the Richter scale? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's massive. Like, what's a massive earthquake? Like, what's the eight mo- is like, massive? Yeah, like, yeah, I thought like seven like or eight. yeah, yeah, like. And Richter scale, I think, is logarithmic as well, isn't it? Yeah, so I think a nine is ten times as powerful as an eight, or twice Good as powerful. God. Ten. T- I love that the person. I think it was Megan from North Dakota. She's like, my state had a <laughs> had a say in destroying the dinosaurs. <laughs> Well, it was more that that was... <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, here yeah. we go. Okay. So it's more than that. It, it is logarithmic, but it's more than tens. A, each successive magnitude is 33 times larger than the last. So oh, a shit. magnitude God. 8 is 33 times bigger than a 9. Sorry, than a 7. 9 is 33 times bigger than an 8. As measured by energy? Uh, yes. Yeah. So biggest... Uh, well, by I think probably um, amplitude and and yeah, that that is I didn't know that thirty three times biggest earthquakes. So the l- largest ones recorded, the largest one recorded with instrument with instruments documented was in nineteen sixty in ch- southern Chile, which was a nine point five. Wow! So this one is th- the thing that wiped everything out was at least. Somewhere between probably 20 and 60. <laughs> oh, no, even bigger. Yeah, more than that, because then it would be 33 times more than the 10. 33 yeah. times more oh, than 33. Yeah. So it's some... so in the hundreds of times. Wow. Yeah, so somewhere between maybe 20 and several hundred times bigger than yeah. the biggest earthquake ever. But they didn't have to worry about power lines or anything. That's true. You they know? didn't have a lot like... of multi-story buildings with yeah. dinosaurs. <laughs> but on the other hand, good. no one back then would have had an earthquake kit. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> No one had any. <laughs> we had a little canned goods or I mean, I a guess, flashlight. Yeah, if you're just like if you're just like living out on the plains, an earthquake doesn't really affect your life that much. I mean, yeah, I feel like one that big, you'd be flopping around a little bit, but just lie down. But yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> take a little, take a little caveman break. Yeah, my plan if if there's a big one, which is so weird, we live in L.A. and we're all just like, yep, it's gonna happen one of these days. Uh, in the meantime, I'm gonna keep going to these weird auditions. Uh, but, <laughs> but, like, uh, but like going up to, there's like a hill, uh, right, uh, uh Barnsdale park or whatever. There's oh, no power light. Yeah. Just Island. go up to that little hill, hang out. Till, that's, till that's the farthest away from structures. But yeah, I guess to, so. Yeah. There's hang out with there. some soup cans and a gun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just, yeah that would become just King of the Hill. Thing, yeah. That yeah. Place. We that just recently, it. we had our like little backpack that we bought. With the the survivor pack or whatever, we have one, huh? We have one, but we literally every you know so often for three years we're like we should look in that. Like we didn't know, we just looked in in there. there. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's helpful. And like and like snakes like sprung out. Yeah, yeah, it's just a big. Oh, God, that'd be so funny to start a company that just sells that. that. does joke earthquake hits. There's just people all over Los Angeles. You know, whenever it happens, just God. (laughs) Ah, <laughs> oh, that's funny though. <laughs> Maybe leave like one thing of water, sure. just a cliff bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one cliff bar. cliff bar. I've got zero prep. I really got a. Do you have anything, Matt? No, and we keep talking about it. Uh, do we? Holly oh, was just listening to a podcast called something like the Big One. That's about basically it's just all about earthquakes and what will happen and how to oh, deal with it. I want to hear. Yeah, I want. And it's and it's made her go like, we need to be prepared for this stuff. It's terrifying. But it's fun to hear like hypothetical scenarios of like ripple effect things. Like a fir- the first week, this will happen. And then after that, 
here's how long it takes humans before they start turning into like Mad Max characters. Yeah. <laughs> I when I was in my early twenties, I lived with uh, three other. You know, it was like we're, we're in college, three other males, and we one time had an ice storm in Texas, which didn't happen a lot. Mm-hmm. And within like the lights went out within the lights within an hour of the lights going out, a buddy of mine had fashioned a spear. <laughs> And started a fire in the backyard. And it was really just to make us laugh, but it was also terrifying. But it was like, and also, you know, maybe he should move out here for the quake. I'd be yeah. with that guy. Like, oh man, we we're so trapped in the middle of all the sprawl right here. Like, there'd, there'd be no. Oh, obviously, yeah. the highways are gridlocked. There's no way. There's not. Well, I can no walk how, to a Seven Eleven from there, so I can. You're fine. I've got a couple of days of sushi and. Uh, I wonder, yeah. I would put my bike together. Well, I mean, it depends how the road. No, there's no, there's no, there's no beaten. We'd just all be trapped. It would be a mess. Yeah, they were. Yeah, see again, the dinosaurs didn't have this stress. Yeah, I reckon <laughs> I could walk to the coast in about from here in a, maybe about two hours, and then what's at the coast? Well, then <laughs> I, you could cut down a tree and fashion a canoe. Okay, yeah, <laughs> and then safely paddle to. Just like, go up the coast? Yeah, so safely paddle to Portland. Catalina's going to be unscathed. Well, I'll just go to Catalina. Oh, true. Oh, yeah, they got the the mini bison. Yeah. <laughs> we can... Is that oh, a but thing? I forgot they have those out there. Yeah, that's a thing. They um they were accidentally brought out or something? Yeah, they were brought out for some reason. I, I think, think they, they were brought out for a film originally. Yeah, I think they filmed uh, westerns up there. Yeah, and then they just... We, were, we went to we went to Catalina for a mini break and we got a tour and the guy was telling us about this. I think it was something like they brought they were they used to do a lot of filming out there. They still do, and they one production just brought some bison out there for a western and didn't bother to take them back. <laughs> so I was hoping you were gonna say the mini was because the actors weren't very big and they wanted to do like a Peter Jackson force perspective thing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if only. But it's actually but it was like getting back to science, but it's right? um everything on Catalina is slightly smaller, or all the animals are slightly smaller because of reverse uh, rev- evolutionary effects. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's they they don't have much competition, but they also have s- fewer resources. Right. So there's there's less food, less energy, so it makes sense to be smaller because you don't need to be as big to kill predators right. or kill your prey or rather big ones didn't survive to reproductive exactly as often because there weren't as many exactly so it's, it's a rare interesting case of evolution and survival of the fittest kind of pushing in the opposite direction huh. the I'm, smaller weaker i'm going there next month i'll, I'll sound really smart when i bring this up it's casually. really nice <laughs> the our tour guide very pointedly he he wouldn't uh we kept saying buffalo and he wouldn't say, uh, actually, they're bison, you can't call them buffalo, but he would just very pointedly say the sentence back, but include the correct word. <laughs> like, so uh, how many buffalo reckon are on the island? He went, well, the number of bison are estimated. While making painful eye contact with <laughs> exactly. you and only you. Did you just keep saying buffalo just to really stick yeah, it to Yeah, of course we did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the best. Did you run in that creepy pet cemetery? There's a pet cemetery. Just like you, you can't drive anywhere, you can just rent golf carts. Yeah, there's there's golf there's golf carts. The only people who can drive, and we we did this. Our tour guide. You can just rent. I think it's the cons- the conservancy or whatever it's called. Yeah. Where it's the whole of Catalina 
is given over to a public wildlife trust okay. that looks after the island. And they were on some tours and they have jeeps that will drive you into the center of the right. island. Because even if you have the golf carts, you can't go into the middle bits. You can just, you can only take, I think, bikes or, or hike up there. But they can drive up there in their four-wheeled yeah. right. jeeps. I just rented a golf cart off this drunk guy. And there's foxes as well that are also smaller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got a, we got a ride back on, from a golf cart from a friendly neighbor. <laughs> we were just walking down the street and someone pulled over and went, Hey, do you want a ride? That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a place that, yeah, everybody knows. What's the population of, what's your guess? How many people live full-time on, pop, on Catalina? On Catalina? Oh, man, I used to know this. but I, 600. It's my guess. 4,096. That was close. Whoa. Still pretty, it's a very small town. It's a very, the first time I went there, I've just been a couple of times, but the first time I went there, my wife surprised me with a trip over there uh, for a birthday. And on, I, I only knew Catalina from Step Brothers. Catalina Wine makes it. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah. I it really. just in Arrested Development yeah, as well. Oh, right. And I really just associated with rich people. And like, I, so I was like, how can we afford this trip? <laughs> I thought it was for people that buy helicopters or whatever. And then uh, on the. The ferry over there, we went up to Long Beach, took a ferry, and on the ferry ride over there, there were people in literal top hats and tails with monocles, and I was like, <laughs> what? I, like, I again, how are we affording this? What is happening? And it turns out it was just like this yearly event where these old people would dress up for some weird thing. Sort of ironically? or I, I, Yeah, like it was just some costume thing, yeah, like okay. themed, whatever. And the theme was Monopoly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Moneybags. <laughs> and we, so we get over there and I'm just kind of almost like, I was enjoying it, but like, I don't know what this is going to be like. I mean, a shame <laughs> that you were just going to be the scum walking right, around the exactly. island. Exactly. But then we get there, there's plenty of scum over there. Like a lot of nice people, but it's, there's a lot of like rednecks and yeah. stuff. And it's like, there was like a guy immediately like eating his dinner shirtless, just like rubbing his belly. And I'm like, there's that top hat guy and then this guy. And then and I heard all these stories. Somewhere between about, the two of them and me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd heard stories about Nicolas Cage being lost over there, or going over there a lot and getting kicked out and yelled at and stuff and i was like this is a weird island man it's sort, of the, it's sort of the juxtaposition that any kind of seafaring life brings where it's the highest of the high class and the lowest of the low right right yes yes i guess because the, yeah. those rich people need the the help of the you know of the quints of the world yeah from jaws or if live near, those who live near the ocean are either super rich or super uh eccentric locals yeah speaking of that uh i had a buddy that tried to do the swim from catalina Jesus to the Christ. coast, and he he almost made it. He didn't make was, it, but it's it's a what because it takes the ferry is about forty minutes. Yeah, yeah, forty forty five, and and he, but he was telling me, so like you have like a boat that follows you, and they throw you like protein and all that yeah. stuff, and you take, but uh, like chum in front of you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but he was telling me about the squid, the giant. There's giant squids there that will eat you. What? What? Check it what? out. Look no. at. Uh, I think you. Th- I think the concern is probably like jellyfish stings and they're squid. Uh, they're giant squid. They, well, yeah. They're terrifying. Because I went down a, a wormhole after this. It's like, how did you do that, knowing there are giant squids underneath you? <laughs> I thought the giant squid was a fictional creature. Also, am I crazy? No, it's a. Oh, it's a terrifying real thing. Or is it just that the size that people talked about from? Okay, I googled lore. Catalina swim giant squid, and so far all I've got is like line drawings and wood cuttings. Oh, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> My friend's full of crap. <laughs> He's trying to even look cooler than he already did. Yeah, I forgot which version of of squids are cryptozoology and which are. Wait, no, there are there are some real ones. There's no, a real I know there are. Squid. I know there are real squids. I just 
forgot which. Uh, yeah, no, it's a it's a real thing for sure. Whether or not it's Catalina, but regardless, I could not do. Oof. Whether there's a kraken or not, a- anything not, uh, underneath me in the ocean, terrifying. The, I, I do understand that fear when you get deep enough that you can't see the bottom. It's like this is uh, even if we're you're not supposed three to be feet here. deep when seaweed taps your calf. You're yeah. like, oh god, shark! Mm-hmm. Okay, giant squid kill human. And that's just our generation being raised on Jaws. Diver pulled under by squids. Oh, shit. When squids attack. Oof. Here we go. Various atta- accounts of cephalopod attacks. We should get our cephalopod expert back on for this yeah. one. Yeah. Dan and Staff would know about this stuff. Cephalopods are mem- uh, uh, members of the class Cephalopodi, which Foothead. includes all squids, octopus, uh, cuttlefish, nautilus. And a nautilus is a thing. <laughs> yeah, you knew that, right? Not this show. It has like, yeah. the Fibonacci... Uh... Oh, okay. So tentacles are the main organs used by squid for defending and hunting. They're often confused with arms. Octopuses have eight arms, while squid and cuttlefish have eight arms and two tentacles. Tentacles are usually longer than arms and typically have suckers only on their ends instead of along the entire length. Uh, giant squid and colossal squid have some of the largest tentacles in the world, with suckers capable of producing suction forces more than... 800 kilopascals, which is around 100 pounds per square inch, with pointed teeth at the tips. The cephalopod beak resembles that of a parrot. It's a yeah. tough structure made of chitin and marks the beginning of the digestive system. Yeah, didn't the beak blow your mind when we were in uh, Melbourne? I remember that coming yep. up. In the, yeah. Colossal squids use their beaks for shearing and slicing prey's flesh to allow the pieces to travel in the narrow esophagus. One of the largest beaks ever recorded was a on a 495-kilogram colossal squid. The beak had a lower rostral length of 42.5 millimeters. That's what... um, So we're talking four centimeters, so just shy of two inches. Many beaks Uh, have also been discovered in the stomachs of sperm whales. The stomach juices dissolve the soft flesh, leaving the hard beaks behind. All octopuses have venom, but few are fatally dangerous. So here we go. Attacks on humans. Going to leave the octopus. Well, the, you know, the blue octopus is, is deadly, as we saw up in Cairns. Yep. And uh, so there, I, I'm going to do I'm going to do all the octopus ones as well, because this is great. This is from Wikipedia, by the way. Well, octopuses generally avoid humans. Attacks have occasionally been verified. For example, an eight feet, that's two and a half meters Pacific octopus said to be nearly perfectly camouflaged, lunged at a diver and wrangled over his camera. <laughs> Another diver recorded the encounter on video. That's uh, oh, there's a video of that. That's in that was about f- five years ago. Notoriously, paparazzi hating octopuses mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, and uh, the supposed attack on a satellite, Staten Island ferry in New York, leading to the loss of the ferry and commemorated by bronze, bronze sculpture, never actually occurred. Nor was there any such ferry disaster. But there is a sculpture. There is a sculpture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Staten Islanders liars. I'm looking at a Catalina squid, and it's no giant, but. <laughs> I still wouldn't want it near me. <laughs> um, so in the 1960s, divers would willingly grapple octopuses in octopus wrestling, a then popular sport in coastal United States. Of course it was. Oh my God, that's amazing. It has it's the its same own, era as like bear baiting. and <laughs> It has its own article. We'll go to that in a second. <laughs> so Humboldt squid are notorious for their aggression. In Mexico, they are known as Diablo Rojo, Spanish for red devil. I think Humboldt squid are what Dan Steph was studying. We should I think these so. From our own Local fishermen's tales claim that people who fell into the waters were devoured within 10 seconds of, by packs of squids. 
wildlife filmmaker Scott Castle made the documentary Humboldt the Man-Eating Squid for the Dangerous Waters series of the Discovery Channel. But there is some disagreement on the veracity of Humboldt aggression. Some scientists claim the only reports of aggression towards humans have occurred when reflective diving gear or flashlights have been present acting as a provocation. Mm. Roger Ozan, a veteran scuba diver and amateur underwater videographer, swam with a swarm of Humboldt squid for approximately 20 minutes, saying they seem more curious than aggressive. When not feeding or being hunted, they experience cur- exhibit curious and intelligent behavior. And then giant squid, here we go. All right. In 2003... The crew of a yacht competing to win the Round the World Jules Verne Trophy reported being attacked by a giant squid several hours after departing from Brittany in France. The squad purportedly latched onto the ship and blocked the rudder with two tentacles. The captain then stopped the boat, causing the squid to lose interest. We don't have anything to scare off this beast. Sorry, we didn't have anything to scare off this beast, he said. So I don't know what we would have done if it hadn't let go. So it just let go? So that was it. That's as bad as it gets. Uh, and octopus wrestling, in case you're wondering the rules. <laughs> it involves a diver grappling with a large octopus in shallow water and dragging it to the surface. An early article on it appeared in 1949 issue of Mechanics Illustrated. I, it was. I wonder how often these actually look like real fights and how often it's just like, the, you know, it's all kayfabe on the part of the human to make it seem like it's more of a fight. Or is it even is. alive? It's probably just yeah, a dead octopus. Just like shaking it like in a bad... This is like when people were... Movie. Like uh, sitting on flagpoles and stuff. Is this this? Oh, yeah, what is that? <laughs> like, that was a I thing. Is that like? <laughs> but it was just stuff into phone. Some people in phone booths. And before stuff. Twitter and stuff, people were just bored. No, no Atari yet. Swallowing goldfish and yeah. <laughs> so, a, a sixty-five issue of Time magazine documented the growing popularity as follows. Oh, by the way, the trophies were given to individual divers and teams who caught the largest ones, and afterwards they were either eaten, given to the local aquarium, or returned. Mm. Merely to minnow about underwater is no longer enough, and such sports as octopus wrestling are coming increasingly into vogue, Pacific, particularly in the Pacific Northwest, where the critters grow up to 90 pounds and can be exceedingly tough customers. Although there are several accepted techniques for octopus wrestling, the really sporty way requires that the human diver goes without artificial breathing apparatus. Yeah, that seems, that seems only fair. You've got to hold your breath like in Kabaddi. Mm-hmm. Like in what? Have you ever seen... Have we talked about Kabaddi on the show before? Is it a com- combination of it's, karate and... No, but it's great. They used to show it on day, on weekends on Channel 4 in the UK. It's an Indian sport, and it's basically advanced tag. Whoa. You have to... The two teams line up. Or maybe we haven't talked about it. I haven't heard, I, I'm looking the, it up, and it's I, Maybe I just to ta- talked about it on the Jim Jeffries podcast. But um, the t- two teams line up. Uh, you line up opposite, and you've each... A person from your team has to go into the other team's territory, tag someone, and get back onto your side without being caught. And no. the whole time you do it, you've got to say the word kabaddi over and over again, no, you so you're don't. holding your breath. No, you... What? Wait. And what so did... you do it all in one breath. You've got to kind of go over there, tag them, and jump back. What does being caught... You're like, kidding Basically, the they grab them. Thing. Nope, straight up. They grab them and wrestle them to the ground. Oh, my God. I'll catch them. They, they sort of link around them. It's very entertaining to watch and <laughs> incredibly athletic. Uh, okay, so the idea behind having to constantly say kabaddi is that you can't take you, a break for breathing. You've got to do a, the whole thing a, in one breath, yeah. If a judge senses you took a breath or didn't say it fast enough, like, is that a line judge who's going to erupt? Kabaddi, 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 Wow. Is this what that tag movie with John Hamm was about? 
<laughs> yeah, it was a remake of the... Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> it's an old Bollywood flick. This was a 1936 Olympic exhibition sport. Wow. <laughs> so you, you carry on with Kabaddi while I tell you more about... H. Oh, Allen Smith wrote for True Magazine in 1964, <laughs> collected a low man runs again about a gentleman named O'Rourke, who he, whom he dubs the father of octopus wrestling. According to information Smith connected from Edwell Jones and other sources, O'Rourke and a partner developed a business in the late 40s for fishing for octopuses, with O'Rourke serving as live bait and his partner hauling him out of the water after an octopus was sufficiently wrapped around him. Oh, my God. <laughs> Quote, All this while... All this while O'Rourke was becoming perhaps the world's greatest authority on the thought processes and personality of the octopus. He knew how to outmaneuver them, how to outflank them, and outthink them. He knew full well many years ago what today's octopus wrestlers are just beginning to learn. (laughs) (laughs) That it is impossible for a man with two arms to apply a full Nelson on an octopus. (laughs) (laughs) He knew full well the futility of trying for a crotch hold on an opponent with eight crutches. Well, okay, I feel like you could do a full Nelson. It's just four and four. You just get four tentacles, go around head. Four tentacles, yeah, go you, around head. Yeah, you can head. flat it. You can see the way they can... Have you seen like a tiny octopus get out of a jar and all that kind of... Yeah, yeah. Like they can really manipulate themselves. They're only limited by the size of their, <sighs> of their beak, right? It's like the only thing they can't compress. This we also talked about in Melbourne, I believe. That makes sense. I, uh, I, I feel like we've got a new calling now. I want to go octopus wrestling. I mean, again, as long as nobody's getting hurt, uh, non-poisonous octopodes that want to just mix it up in shallow water. Yeah, I'll do that shit. Do it for the Instagram. What's the... uh, Doug, what's the most unusual animal you think you could successfully wrestle? I'm trying to think if I have done anything weird. I have... (laughs) Almost hit a deer with my car. Does that count? <laughs> not if it's not intentional. <laughs> uh, I could. I don't know about an octopus. That that seems a lot harder and a lot more confusing. Shark, definitely no. How, a, what about how many five year olds you could realistically take in a fight? Who, man, I don't know, man. I'm getting older. I feel like they've got so much energy. You know, just a couple can be a lot. You know. Yeah. Like, I, th- I think it would be way under what you think it would be. Well, Wasn't this a meme a few years back? How many five-year-olds you could take in a fight if they were all coming at you at once? <laughs> You'd like to think a lot in this hypothetical. Let's I feel like if you just took home. one out in a sufficiently brutal manner. Oh, well, yeah, you just but assume they're all bloodthirsty and they, they, don't, they don't fear their own mortality. <laughs> like, they don't care. They're unfazed by what you've done to the first one. You take one down, put its head on a stick, you're oh, good God. to go. No, again, these are super five-year-olds. Not, <laughs> not of this planet. They're not of this planet, but they still have the size and right. strength and intelligence of a human five-year-old. But the determination of a five-year-old that does not have a concept of mortality and only wants your death. <laughs> He's like, let's imagine five, five, imagine a hundred five year old Hitlers. I feel like that's all five year olds in general. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not, not, not on purpose. They just, it's more of an energy thing. They, they're, they're after you. I guess you get enough five year olds who just want to play and you're going to die. Yeah, yeah exactly. You don't have to have malice in their heart. <laughs> <laughs> it's funner that way, though. Yeah. I, I'm sort of worried now after reading about all this that. So we're going for my 40th birthday to Catalina next month, and now I'm worried that it's I'm just going to be killed by a squid 
or an octopus. No, you're fine. There's no, it's only going to be a mini bison. But I feel it's just because we read about this. Right. You're going to jinx yourself into it. No, I think the worst case scenario is a trampling by a mini bison, which would <laughs> yeah. be adorable. Yeah, we that went, would be. We went sea kayaking and saw some dolphins. Oh, nice. That was pretty cool. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. That'll yeah, be cool. you can rent a kayak for it. It's not very expensive. And, the, and a tour guide, we did it for about an hour or so. Cool. You paddle out to some other, to, uh, further up the island, and then and you're, they give it, you a snack and a bottle of water, and then you paddle back again. Is it legal to camp in the like Catalina Outback in the non-city parts? I of- think there are parts where you can yeah. camp, but it's yeah. also not that expensive to rent to sort of a cabin or a right some other little bungalow. Nicholas Cage's boat. Right. Well, Doug, you shouldn't be scared of squids. You know what you should be scared of, though? Uh, getting four bees in your eye. Oh, well, yep. As a young lady in Taiwan recently did, uh, was originally thought to be an eye infection, turned out to be something far worse. Instead of treating an infection, doctors at the University Hospital in Taiwan were shocked to find four bees embedded in the eye of a 29-year-old Taiwanese woman named Hay. Jason Adams sent this in. Yes, thank you, Jason. Uh, the bees were reportedly feeding on her tear ducts under her swollen eyelids. And there is a picture. Oh and it God. is as gross as you think. Um, Hay had come to the hospital. It's spelled H-E. I'm just guessing it's Hay. Hay had come to the hospital after experiencing severe pain in her eye. The uh, doctor's head of ophthalmology Dr. Hong Chi Ting said at a press conference that such bees nest near graves and fallen trees, so chances of coming across them while hiking in the mountains are high. According to Apple Daily Taiwan, <laughs> Hay confirmed she was at a family member's grave pulling out weeds and she felt as if she got dirt into her eye and flushed it out with water. After that, she says she started experiencing a stinging pain in teary eyes. I saw something that looked like insect legs, so I pulled... Ugh. <laughs> I pulled. Oh no! This is the doctor, not her. So I pulled them out under a t- under a microscope slowly and one at a time without damaging their bodies. Doctor Hung said, "Good news. Hay did not rub her eyes too much, which officials say could have worsened the state of her inflamed cornea. Worst case scenario would have been blindness. Obviously, um, the sweat bees were reportedly removed alive. Why does anyone care about removing them alive? <laughs> Hay was discharged and is expected to make. A they can put recovery. be put safely into some farm eyes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Found a nice. <laughs> They've gone to live in some nice arms, eyes in the countryside. A country grave. What was she digging up at the grave? Was it just doing weeding. How how oh, long did she weeds. go before she discovered this? Um, I don't know. Did say it went between. Oof. I mean, any amount of time with bees in your eyes is too long. Like, yeah, I, I'd say uh, an one hour. bee, let alone one bee, four. What is hour. it four? God. Yeesh. Uh, sweat bees are small and known for their metallic coloring, mostly in shades of green, blue, and bronze, according to Terminex. <laughs> they went to the the uh, exterminator. Was uh, it her already swollen tear ducts? Was she crying? Was she already sad and then this happened? Is I like... don't quite get, and I can't quite get the scale from this YouTube video. Let's see. Oh my goodness. I mean, these seem big enough. These aren't microscopic. These are These are bees. How do you not pull your eyelid down in the mirror and be like, there, there's four bees? Uh, so yes, they're, they're metallic. Um, they're typically not aggressive, and a sting usually only occurs if a bee is pressed against the skin. Yeah, what are you doing that you don't immediately I know, I figure this out? I, I don't. Like, think about eye pain. Anytime yeah. there's some minuscule thing in your eye, you're like, oh, God, I'm dying. You're I'm asking dying. asking your friends to look. I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, look up. Yes. You look in the corner. Where, are there any bees? Flush it out. Yeah. Get some water in there. But like just chilling out, just maybe super high. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, maybe she got it from just looking really closely at bees. <laughs> like, is that a bee <laughs> taking like nature photographs on a flower? I I was in Thailand last summer, and 
I had an eye accident where we were bathing elephants and our guide got us to start throwing mud at each other like within the group and the, and the elephants like we had a mud fight and the elephants get into it they're so playful they're amazing creatures they're so much more intelligent than i ever knew it was amazing being around these guys and but the they were just as playful like they knew it was like playful and they were really? pl- like flinging mud at us that's awesome it was really cute and uh but once you start flinging mud like we're all just covered in mud Somebody just nailed me in the eye, and there's small pebbles and stuff. Right, and yeah. so, and, and then the mud, I, I just, and the mud's probably not. It's, not, it's yeah. mud. It's yeah, not yeah. the cleanest of. And I, so I just have, and my hands are just mud. There's no, like, there's nothing. I can't. Oh, right, wipe, can't wipe it wipe out it of away my with your muddy yeah, hands. Yeah, so I'm f- yelling the f bomb, and it's meanwhile it's just this happy, beautiful <laughs> us playing with elephants, and I'm just yelling like cursing. And this woman had to take me up this hill, and she she's all of a sudden splashing water on me. And when I can finally kind of see, I realize it's just this puddle, and I'm like, "Oh, now that's grosser water. The it's worst thing is going to happen to my eye. <laughs> I'm going to die for sure." <laughs> that's when I was actually panicked. That's when the bees started growing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe that's how it happened. Then came the bees. Did you escape any kind of infection? I mean, unless it's still growing. Right. <laughs> it's almost been a year. Which could happen. Uh, speaking of animals that are playful, we also got an article sent in by Kristen about how dogs uh, <laughs> sleepovers are good for dogs and measurably reduce their stress hormones. <laughs> dogs is, have stress. I, yeah, <laughs> I guess by, as if you measure it in cortisol levels. Um, of the estimated more than four million dogs that end up in animal shelters each year, about half a million are euthanized. To increase the number of shelter dogs that are adopted. Arizona State University's Canine Science Collaboratory studies collaboratory studies what happens in animal shelters and how it affects dogs. They just finished looking at how sleepovers or short-term foster care. Oh, okay. I'm just picturing a bunch of dogs coordinating this on their own. Like this just <laughs> means staying with humans. Yeah, I was picturing the cutest pillow fights. Um, or short, yeah, sleepovers or short-term foster care impact the stress response and rest patterns of shelter dogs. The study published in Peer J on March 27th was conducted in collaboration with shelters in Arizona, Utah, Texas, Montana, and Georgia. By the way, I've realized we should def... I don't know why we don't have a good answer to Doug's eye question on account of us being the cover stars of the Australian yeah, right. Society for Parasitology. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very cool thing Michael Smout just sent in to us that... Uh, yeah, if you got, I guess we could just link directly to the PDF if you well, want. Well, you probably, most of our listeners probably get, got it in the, the mail. Anyway, I'm sure you're all subscribers <laughs> to the uh, Australian Society for Parasitology's newsletter. Uh, in case you wonder what we look like, now you know. Mm-hmm. Andy and I are the two on either end of the picture. I got credited as Andy T. Wood, which I think I want to go by now. I like that. Just because that was in my email address, I guess? Yeah, on your, uh, your Twitter handle. Right, yeah. And I think of you as Andy the Wood. The Wood, the only. <laughs> the Wood and the only. So just to wrap up the dog sleepover story, the idea to study sleepovers came after a trip to Best Friends Animal Sanctuary in Utah, which has a longstanding sleepover program in which volunteers take dogs home overnight. Um, they decided to test if that kind of short-term foster care experiences were beneficial to shelter dogs. They tracked their stress by measuring the stress hormone cortisol before, during, and after sleepovers. And even though the five participating shelters were very different, some care for 600 dogs a year and some more than 6,000. The cortisol levels for all the dogs decreased during a sleepover. So go go foster a dog. It's uh, 
<laughs> not, it's not as big a commitment as actually adopting one. And, um, the, you know, dogs are fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, uh, I think we talked about those three chihuahua puppies I was helping foster like a year and a half ago. That was he did a long couple of weeks, but I mean, adorable. A uh, couple of little stories. Firstly, my friend Helen just tweeted at me, are we doing this again? And then the story, Aphantasia, ex-Pixar chief Ed Catmull says, my mind's eye is blind. No, we've covered Aphantasia far too much. If you want to hear it, Brandy Posey, listen to that episode because we went deep into it. Brandy, you're ahead of Pixar. You're ahead of the game. <laughs> uh, I want to do, because a few people sent this in, and this is a really cool story. A This is a big fossil missing link story. Fossil of ancient four-legged whale found in Peru. The fossil of a 43-million-year-old whale with four legs, webbed feet, and hooves has been discovered in Peru. Paleontologists believe the marine mammal's four-meter-long, 13-foot, which is 13-feet, body was adapted to swim and walk on land. So, some kind of amphibious whale missing link midpoint. With four limbs capable of carrying its weight and a powerful tail, the semi-aquatic whale has been compared to an otter or beaver. Researchers believe the discovery could shed light on the evolution of the whale and how it spread. It was found in marine sediments uh, about a kilometer inland from Peru's Pacific coast in Playa Media Luna. And the location has piqued researchers' interests as the first whales are thought to have evolved in South Asia around 50 million years ago. As their bodies became better suited to water, they migrated further afield to North Africa and North America, where fossils have been found. The latest discovery suggests early whales managed to swim there from South America. Whales are this iconic example of evolution, said Travis Park, an ancient whale researcher at the National History Museum in London. They went from small hoofed mammals to the blue whale we have today. It's so interesting to see how they conquered the oceans. Yeah, that's something I, I only recently found out was I didn't realize that whales and sea mammals were animals that have, if you trace back the evolutionary family tree something that started in the water as life did mm-hmm. then went to land and then went back into the water oh wow you assume there's always one way street yeah i, I did yeah, I guess or i guess i either assumed that or hadn't really oh, thought right. about it that closely yeah but yeah i thought it generally i i do think <laughs> it generally went from i thought it went from the sea to the land and anything and that is now in the sea has evolved from something that was always in the sea yeah but no there are these <laughs> it's just like yeah water Land. Nope. Screw this. No, no, back to the water. Back, yeah, back. we're doing better there. Because in the case of whales, we go. Hey, we can get we can get much bigger in the water, right? And still move around. Wow. A blue whale on land would be ridiculous. It'd be pretty sweet. Oh man, I just... dragging itself slowly along the ground. Out of the hut style. <laughs> they would definitely all have uh, servants in gold bikinis. Right. All, <laughs> That's all ex- the land whales. immediately. Yeah, yeah the image I had. Uh, Rest in peace. Yeah, By the way, it's called uh, Peregocetus pacificus, which means the traveling whale that reached the Pacific. <laughs> From the classic children's book series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> From the little whale that could. Right. What you else know, do we have? We've got some space stories. I think it might be fun to do a little space story near the end. The Ultima Thule one? Or what do you have in mind? Well, I was thinking there is that, but the, the We've talked Japanese who blowing up the... Um, this sounds like something we might have already covered. We can't forget this many. Is this the other story from um, Emily Schaefer? So I was just thinking about how 
Can you imagine just running into a whale on the street? Like, that's terrifying. Even though it would be harmless, it would be so scary. Just the surprise. And even, like, I didn't know until recently how big certain bats could get. What's the biggest bat? Uh, They can, uh, uh, I I don't know how big, I think they're like a six-foot wingspan. Damn. But they look like large dogs, and they can fly somewhere in Australia, I think. Nope, I'm out. And I saw, and there's, you know, a hundred of them in a tree, and it's just like, and they're, they're harmless, they just eat insects, but... Just if you didn't know that existed, oh. and then you stumble onto that, you're just traveling around in the outback, and you see that, <laughs> oh, you'd probably kill yourself for you'd sure. Have <laughs> you'd have to. Matt, I think I found the story. Is it the one on NPR? Maybe. Japan very carefully drops plastic explosives onto an asteroid. There we go. That's the yeah. one. <laughs> Early Friday morning, and this was last week, so this was, um, yeah, this is... Article on April 5th, whatever. Recently, Japan's Hayabusa 2 spacecraft detonated an explosive device over a small asteroid. The goal was to create a fresh crater that will later be studied by the spacecraft. Researchers watched for mission control in Sagamihara, Japan, and clapped politely. (laughs) The article says that. Clapped politely (laughs) as Hayabusa. As they do. (laughs) It just feels. As Hayabusa 2 released an experiment known as the Small Carry-On Impactor. Which they've they've been getting so much stricter about the impactors these days, like oh yeah, they make you check them at the gate. You get now. charged like, for anything <laughs> over a certain weight <laughs> of impactor. Uh, the device consisted of a copper disc packed with HMX high explosive. Once the mothership had safely moved out of the line of fire, the impactor apparently detonated, firing the disc into the side of the asteroid. A camera released by Hayabusa Two appeared to catch the moment of impact, which sent a stream of ejecta into space. It went flawlessly, says Harold C. Connolly Jr., a geologist at Rowan University in New Jersey and co-investigator on Hayabusa 2. What does investigator mean in that context? Um, so, yeah, there are some, some grainy-ass pictures if you want to see this little... I thought there was video. Is there video? Meanwhile, so the Japanese did that. India blew up a satellite and scatters debris all over space. Mm, good work. <laughs> Which... Um, uh, Intentionally? Yeah, what was, well, the, it, it what was, was a, the experiment here? It was a test. It was a test to see... Not entirely. It was a, to test a satellite-destroying missile by blowing up one of their own satellites, which oh, was orbiting wow. around 186 miles above the Earth. But now people from... They, they claim that the, would, the debris would stay below in a lower orbit and would burn up in the atmosphere very quickly. Mm-hmm. But people from the ISS are going, no, it's gone into our path and it's dangerous. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I know we, we do... Jim Bridenstine, who's the NASA administrator, who I think I was on StarTalk with. I'm pretty sure I was once on StarTalk with someone really high up in NASA and should have tried to get him on the show, but maybe that was a bit of an ask. Telling the agency's employees during Monday Town Hall that 24 pieces of debris are now at an altitude above the International Space Station's 250 miles, posing an unacceptable threat to the astronauts on board. According to Bridenstine, NASA is now tracking about 60 pieces from India satellite, each about six inches or bigger, but other pieces not large enough to track could pose a threat to the ISS as well. In total, he says India satellite tests increased the likelihood of the ISS colliding with debris by 44% over a 10 day period. Oh my God. Wait, this one thing increased their risk yep. by 44%? Jesus. Wow. Although, having said that, that sounds horrendous, but also it's 44% more yeah. of an unlikely thing. Right, right, right. I mean, I know there's tons of. Just junk in low Earth orbit. I'm just trying to find some list online right now of, of how many pieces of ISS damaging things, how many pieces of ISS damaging junk are in space, you know, or potentially 
like obviously there's a size below which it's okay if it hits the space station, even though it's going super fast, right? There, so yeah, there are 500,000 objects orbiting the Earth today, as of 2018. Um, uh, more than 21,000 are larger than 10 centimeters or four inches. Jim Bridenstine is not who I was on Star Talk with at all. Oh. <laughs> Today, there are 1,700 artificial satellites in operation, an additional 2,600 that are no longer working. It's a lot of uh, dangerous shit flying around there. Yeah, I found an article on Listverse that's uh, 10 dangerous things orbiting the Earth. Dr. Jim Green of NASA. That's who I was on with. Okay. What if it was Shannon Doherty? (laughs) (laughs) I was Sharon Doherty, who was part of NASA. (laughs) I'm such an idiot. I am such a fool. He is head of the Planetary Science Division. He's the Planetary Science Division director. What? A... And he's about to become NASA chief scientist. Oh, shit. What an insane experiment, though, to like... Just to blow something up let's in space see, to see if you can. Let's see if this will be as bad as it could be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. That was... I mean... Oops. It, so... <sighs> the, I, the idea was to test to see if the, this missile just... This satellite destroying missile work, and their scientists had calculated that any of the pieces from the explosion will quickly fall into a low Earth orbit and then fall out of orbit and burn up in the atmosphere of the Earth. I mean, forgetting the actual change in the kinetic energy that the orbiting the initial the target had, like obviously the thing hitting it is going to change the overall trajectory of that the object, right? because of the weight of the thing hitting it. But barring that, if it were on its own and just blew up, obviously it's not going to send everything into a lower orbit. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what the theory was. Listeners, I know we have physicists who might be able to... What did they think was going to happen? Because surely some stuff will lose energy, but other things will gain higher energy and go into a higher orbit or just remain in an orbit. Unless the thing hitting it was coming from higher elevation higher altitude to lower altitude so it's also adding to the system uh net you know mom- momentum change that's towards lower yeah but then orbit. orbital mechanics don't work work in that confusing way they don't work i mean but if, if something like, came from straight above and blew up it's conceivable that the yes not though, necessarily because there's that really there's that really counterintuitive thing about orbital mechanics where if you're trying to it's the same as why docking is Docking a spacecraft onto the space station is so tricky because when you speed up, that then makes you go into a higher orbit, which then makes you slow down and go further away from the oh, thing. Yeah. When you speed up, it makes you go down. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe maybe we can't figure out rocket science uh, with our back-of-the-envelope calculations right now, but um, <laughs> it seems like a flawed idea. Blow it up and it'll all go down into low orbit. It seems like an easy up. way to get the rest of the world pretty pissed off at you as well. Yeah, I mean, but like I said, there's still a ton of junk in yeah. orbit that's... That has to be tracked and avoided. Um, Space trash. I'm kind of amazed that we don't have more instances of people fucking with other countries' shit in orbit. Well, is that, that what Space much? Force is uh, coming? I, <laughs> coming but really, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like bird and lift scooters. Like this space is uh, the, the world's sidewalks now. Right. Like everyone could just leave all their shit yeah. up there and trust <laughs> no one else is going to fuck with their shit. But you could just go fuck with their shit, right? Yeah. What yeah. would happen if you go? I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, if you take out someone's iridium satellite is there legal recourse for that uh i think there are some pretty big recourses if you do that i think that counts as that i think that would be a fairly hefty diplomatic incident i'm pretty sure you're not allowed to just fuck with another it's like gambling and you know 
over like on this on the ocean you know like i think it i think it counts as an act of war yeah. <laughs> that's, that's technically what if you just kick it let me just give it a little nudge What's the oh, just uh just leaning against one of your satellites here it'd be a shame <laughs> if uh i were to lean a bit heavier one of those, china one of those contests where the last person to take their hand off gets right. to win the satellite <laughs> i'd do that a bunch of astronauts hanging on. <laughs> Trying to find Just, a <laughs> to Except when you let go, it's not good. <laughs> no. Because no, you no. just kind of still stay next just to it. Part of, yeah, part of the debris. Have you guys around. watched uh, any of those? There's a new animation anthology series on Netflix called Love, Death, and Robots, I think. No, I didn't know that was out yet. It's if if nothing, what it lacks in quality, it makes up for in lack of quantity, because <laughs> everything's like in the eight to twelve minute range. So oh, it's wow. very, very fun, quick viewing, and and some pretty impressive animation. Like some things that I started off thinking were live anime, live action, then realized were just that good. But yeah, it's sort of sci-fi um, in nature, and there's some space stuff, and there's there's a uh, sort of gravity esque short. It's just this one woman who is running into some problems getting back to her spacecraft and has to use some Newtonian physics in a in a gruesome way to get Ooh. herself back. It's kind of cool. All right. I probably spoiled it by saying that, but um, <laughs> check it out. It's also got a lot of a uh, lot of TNA. It's like for that it's like for the uh, horny nerds the show. <laughs> Lots of animated boobs and stuff. Well, as soon as you said robots, that's what I was yeah. hoping for. Yeah. Uh Doug where can our listeners find you when they're not looking at space boobs? Uh, well, I, I've got a new album called Fart Safari 2 that fits right into that. Uh, that, that name again? Fart Safari 2, sure. Fart Harder. Uh, so stupid. Uh, and that's out on stand-up records right now. You can find that on iTunes, Amazon, whatever. And then just find uh, Doug Mellard, M-E-L-L-A-R-D, on social media. It's just my name, at Doug Mellard. And I'll be... In Austin, the 21st through 23rd at Cap City Comedy Club, hosting the Funniest Person competition. And then I'll be in Dallas that Friday, I think the 26th, at the Dallas Theater, opening for Dan Cummins. Oh, sweet. And the 27th in Houston at the Secret Group uh, with Dan Cummins as well. So Dan's my birthday twin. Oh, really? Yay. Oh, wow. So we're very close, too. So next month, right? Yeah. yeah, same, yeah. same year also. Yeah, 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 yeah. The 18th, is that right? May 18th yeah, yeah. of some year in the 20th uh, century. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, oh, 20th century. <laughs> Someone just lost the millennial vote for this show. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's great. He's so funny. and his, uh, Yeah, he's kicking ass. And then I'll be... I've got some other dates coming up, but I can't think of what they are. But yeah, just find right. oh, oh, and uh, I'll plug my dog. Oh, yeah. I'll plug your dog. The- <laughs> I don't know why that came from. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not how I talk. That's not what kind yeah, of podcast that, this is. That was like so not Andy. But, uh, <laughs> I think it was just because I said fart safari yeah, too fart harder. Yeah, too. It's infectious. Uh, I, I apologize to everyone. <laughs> My family doesn't listen anymore, I don't think. It's okay. Speaking of uh, lowering stress levels for dogs. Yeah, yeah, the cortisol just goes. We'll have a sleepover. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> My dog has an embarrassingly <laughs> much larger Instagram follower than uh, following than me. Uh, at the luckiest penny, if you want to see an adorable dog, the luckiest penny. Yeah, and she has more merch for sale than I do these days. So, 
I'm just going to ride my dog's coattails. And well, see, uh, Dan no. Cummins is opening for her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now what sucks is it seems like I'm a, I'm a dog star fucker just because I'm an <laughs> Instagram famous dog. But. <laughs> uh. you, you can find us at probablyscience.com. That's also where the donation button is. You can find us on Twitter at probablyscience, individually at Andy the Wood. That's Andy <laughs> T. Wood. Uh, and at Matt Kirshen, you can find us Facebook slash Probably Science. Uh, probably Science at gmail.com is the email address if you want to send us any questions, comments, clarifications, or articles you think we should chat about. Uh, check out all the Doug stuff. We'll see you next week. And we'll, uh, and we'll thanks, thank the donors guys. next week also. We had a bunch of donations, but we didn't get to them this week. So. Yep. Did you already say that? I did not say that. Okay. Uh, and we also had someone try to send us $2,000 in a fake e-check, and we didn't fall for your scam, whoever you were. <laughs> That was me. Okay. <laughs> or maybe it was $2,000 we just lost. I was uh, either uh, someone genuinely from a very anonymous looking email address in Europe tried to send us 2,600 euros, or uh, that is a scam that yeah. <laughs> didn't work. An e-check. But yes, we will thank all the donors Oof. and patrons um, next, next episode. We will. There's thank plenty. You so thank you very much, all of you. Thanks, thank you, Doug. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, science. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, the luckiest penny. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week.